Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow. Rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and just me. Marcus is going to be on vacation for this week, so I will be tackling the Wimbledon preview myself. Uh, and probably next month when I'm on vacation, uh, Marcus will be tackling a solo one as well here. We wanted to sort of get something out to you guys, especially in anticipation of probably the biggest major of the year. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of a solo preview of Wimbledon 2023, which I think has a lot of different storylines going on. And of course, I am able to talk by myself pretty easily. So hopefully this one won't be too painful for you guys. So getting right into it, I think that the person that we have to start out with talking is Novak Djokovic. I am recording this on July 3rd, around mid-afternoon here in New York, and Novak Djokovic has already won his first-round match, unsurprisingly, although he did drop serve in that first set and got pushed to a tiebreak in that third. He did manage to come out relatively unscathed in yet another nice win for, uh, for Novak. And he continues his sort of dominance at Wimbledon where he hasn't lost a center court match, I believe, since 2013 or 2012 is when he last lost on center court. So just a ridiculous record that he's got going on. And, you know, he is the overwhelming favorite. There's no doubt. But uh, I wanted to specifically talk about why Novak is the overwhelming grass favorite. And, and there's sort of uh, specific circumstances for this year, but I think going forward, there's reasons why Novak is, is very likely to win Wimbledon for the, for the years to come, quite honestly, as long as his body holds up. And it's something that we've mentioned on the podcast a few times, so I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of the context as to why Marcus and I do sort of feel this way, right? So number one, I would say that the second best grass court player in the world up until maybe last year, was Matteo Berrettini, who really just sort of fell off the face of the earth um, and has really struggled with injuries. So it's very difficult to see him coming back to the level that he was, given how many injury problems that he has had and how much trouble he's had coming back, even when he is somewhat healthy. So that is, I think, factor number one in Novak's benefit. I think number two is Nick Kyrgios is just simply inconsistent. And whether that's injury problems like he's had this year, it is just really hard to bank on the fact that Nick Kyrgios is going to be a consistent sort of guy to rival someone like Novak Djokovic. So that, I think, is pillar number two of the Novak argument. And then the last pillar 
that I know you guys are probably thinking is, well, what about Carlos Alcaraz, who we all speak so highly of? And the answer is, he's just too young. This is really one of those situations where it's not like Carlos has the chance to play a ton of different tournaments on grass, right? I mean, grass season is just so short. It's three to four weeks, and that's kind of it. And all of the things that make Carlos Alcaraz's game as good as it is, uh, namely being like his movement advantage and physical advantage over everyone, are really sort of neutralized on this grass surface. You're just not able to do the sliding like he normally does on a clay or a hard court. He's not able to like physically overwhelm people like he is on clay and on hard court when his body is is all there. And lastly with Carlos is the serve is just really not a big part of his game. If you guys go on to that account that I've mentioned a few times here called Tennis Insights, Carlos Alcaraz has a below average effective serve. An effective serve meaning like you either end up with an ace, uh, an unreturned uh, serve, right? Uh, or a missed return on the serve. Or uh, the opponent returns the ball and you have an offensive attacking shot following up, i.e. the plus one. So if your serve results in any of those three possibilities, it's considered an effective serve. Carlos Alcaraz actually has a below average, below tour average serve, which is really, really interesting. And we'll actually use that stat later on to sort of pick someone who I think is a real dark horse this tournament and has the chance to, I don't know about win it, but I think certainly pull an upset and give some top guys trouble. I think for those reasons, it's tough to see Carlos really beating Novak Djokovic here. Um Additionally, in the biggest match of his of his Wimbledon career, I should say, uh, Carlos Alcaraz did lose to Yannick Sinner, and that was just last year. And Yannick's game definitely translates a lot better to this surface because he doesn't have to worry about his lateral movement. He's really only worried about maintaining a decent serve, and he can maintain the power and aggressive game that he's sort of built up these past few years. So for those reasons, think that Novak is really the overwhelming favorite, no matter what the draw is. And I actually don't think that Novak has a very great draw, to be honest with you. But we'll get into that in just a second here. The last thing that we will talk about with Novak is this question of whether Novak is the greatest grass court player of all time. And I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I think that the answer is probably yes. And the answer is probably yes for me because... In the chances that Novak has had to play Roger Federer, who is, you know, in my opinion, the second greatest grass court player of all time, Novak has beaten him in finals, in semifinal, whatever it may be. Like, Novak has just gotten the better of him in those really tight matches where Federer's level was as good as it is. I think that when you factor that in, it's 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 really hard to sort of say that no, that Novak is not the greatest grass court player of all time. My one sort of caveat that I will say for this stuff is that Wimbledon in particular has changed a lot over the past like 15 to 20 years, right? So since myself and somebody like Marcus has been watching, right? When we were younger, when Federer was first coming up, the court was way faster than what it is now. There was no baseline rallies like there is right now. Like just today, like Novak had like a 20 plus shot rally with uh, Pedro uh, Cachin from Argentina and 
that just didn't really happen very much years ago, but now all of a sudden it happens. It depends on what era of Wimbledon we're talking about. I think Fed, the unique thing that he has for his argument is that throughout the period of transition that Wimbledon has had, he has been one of the best, if not the best player during that time span, whereas Novak has really just run it up in this post-Fed or tail end of Fed time. But I think that you still have to say, as of, especially if he wins this tournament, Novak is the greatest grass court player of all time. So he, I think, is. But this will definitely be a solidifying tournament for him. I think it would mean a lot to him to win it because not only would he break the tie with Roger Federer for the most Wimbledons ever, but he would then break the tie with uh, Rafa Nadal for the most Grand Slams. Uh, oh, excuse me. He already has the lead. But he would further his lead with the most Grand Slams ever. So just another historic tournament for Novak Djokovic, which is kind of how all of these are going to be now. And if Novak wins this one, the Grand Slam watch is on again. So it's it's always exciting with Novak, and we should really sort of take these moments to uh, relish and appreciate everything that he is giving us right now. Getting into it, some players that I wanted to mention that I think are dark horses before we go sort of point by point on the draw. Number one is somebody who's making a comeback that I'm really excited to see. He was one of my favorite players when I was a teenager, and that's Milos Raonic from Canada. Uh, it was really the first Canadian to sort of break through before guys like FAA and, and Denis Shapovalov. And Milos Raonic got to Wimbledon final, massive serve, super easy. And just to show you how good this guy is, in his first ATP match in like three years, he wins as a wild card, which is just a crazy, crazy accomplishment. Do I think he's going to win? No. Do I think he's going to even get to the quarterfinals? No. But if he wins a match or even two matches, like that is such an extraordinary achievement considering the road that he's had here. So I'm just really happy to see that guy playing tennis again because he is just such a thrill to watch. My second pick... Uh, despite his below average serve, actually, one of the worst serves um, is Francisco Sarundolo, who is just coming off a grass court title uh, just last week and I think is comfortable on the surface, has just been playing at a really, really high level lately. So I think he's got to be somebody that you're going to want to watch. And on the other side of that spectrum of guys who have definitely had Wimbledon, Wimbledon success and have... One of the best serves on tour, if not actually, I think he has the most effective serve on tour, um, along with Nick Kyrgios, is Hubi Hercash, who is somebody that we've spoken a lot on this podcast about, but has had like a sluggish start to the year. I think he's had some unlucky draws, stuff like that, but I think he is somebody that can really, really succeed here. And he would be somebody that I really, if I was one of the top eight guys, do not want to play because it is just going to be very difficult to beat him on this surface if his serve is with him. And he had a routine win today. So I, I think that Herkash is going to be having a very, very nice tournament. And my last pick here, and it's somebody that if you follow us on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, you would know that I love Nicholas Jerry. And as does Marcus, this guy has been balling out on all surfaces. He is by far the runaway favorite for me for most improved player of the year. And he has just 
really upped his game. He's got a huge serve, big game, moves really well for his size. I think this is really a surface that we could see him succeed, particularly at Wimbledon. So it's just another one of these guys that if I'm one of the top dogs, I do not want to play. I would really want to avoid playing him. Next, um, something that we've gotten on the Instagram is about Stefano Tsitsipas and just sort of asking, like, what's up with him? He's bounced out in the first round, past few tournaments. I don't think that it really has anything to do with Paula Bedosa. I, I know that that's probably something that people want to hear, but if you want the honest truth, I don't really have a problem with him having a significant other, obviously. I think that that's good. And generally, like, if a player's happy, they're going to play their best. The thing that I think is the problem with Stefano Tsitsipas is that I don't really see him have a certain, like, willingness to improve his game and try new things. Like, in the same way that I've seen Carlos definitely take a measured and noticeable approach of trying to back off certain points and not going, like, balls to the wall every single point and try to at least manage his body a little bit more over the past year and like mix up uh you know shots everything like that and his serve like he is he's getting very aggressive on like kick serves for the second serve and trying to make his life as easy as possible on his body now to make those adjustments extend his career and extend his dominance uh as he is right now i do not see that from stefano Tsitsipas. I don't see like what Yannick Sinner did where he just completely changed his serve mechanics, where he just completely altered his style and started to do drop shots and like made an effort of like going up to the net and being effective at volleys. Casper Ruud sort of the same thing, like being trying to be more aggressive and changing up his backhand style a little bit. FAA even, somebody that we rag on on this podcast, has shown an effort of like, I need to improve my backhand and his backhand has definitely gotten better. I have not seen that really with Stefano Tsitsipas. I haven't seen that sort of like improvement and it feels like he's just kind of stagnated over these past few years and gotten complacent. And I think that that's the real problem, which is why I think Marcus and myself have always leaned towards he needs a coaching change. He needs somebody who's not his dad to tell him what's wrong with his game and make an improvement because it's just not really working right now and I don't know how he'll do with this Wimbledon obviously his game translates really well towards Wimbledon uh, outside of not really having a great backhand slice everything else the attacking the serve the forehand the volley is like it's all there you know I, I just don't know if uh if if this is going to be the one that he breaks out at quite honestly and 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 he's somebody that I'm like quite concerned about uh, should he fall out of the top eight or something like that he's down to number five uh for seeding wise at this tournament so it's not doing great but uh, let's start going through the draw here and let's get into sort of specific sections. So in Carlos Alcaraz's little quarter here, let's call it, you know, he's going to have Holger Rune. He's going to have obviously himself. Nicholas Jarry is his potential, I believe, third round opponent, which is not awesome for him. He's got Zverev here. We've got Alex Dimonor, who's been playing so well lately, but um, Alcaraz did take him out to win his maiden grass court title just a few weeks ago. So not 
exactly like an easy quarter by any means, but also not the worst quarter by any means. Do I think that there's anyone here who could seriously challenge? Oh, excuse me. I forgot. I read right over him. Uh, Francis Tiafo is also here. Is there anyone that could beat Carlos Alcaraz here? I think the answer is yes. I would not put it past somebody like Nicholas Jarry or Zverev or Francis Tiafo that when they're serving really well, it's tough to beat them and break them on this surface. I would not put it past them to to win um, against Alcaraz on this surface. It's just it's it's just if it gets that fast, it's tough. But do I think that Alcaraz ultimately does get through? Yes. Do I think he drops some sets? Absolutely, I think he does. But I really look forward to uh, what is hopefully will end up being a Tiafo Alcaraz quarterfinal, I think is what they set up for. So that would be pretty cool if it did happen. Uh, Holger Runa, I don't really know how I like him on this surface. I don't think that it's a really great fit for him. I, I complimented the guy and said he has a ton of ways to win, but... His serve is really probably the the weaker part of his game, and I just don't really know how that's going to play out at a, on a surface like Wimbledon. That's totally okay. I I mean, unfortunately, the tour doesn't make a great point of uh, emphasizing the grass court season and emphasizing that skill set. I don't really know what to expect of of Runa and and. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he he kind of bounces out to somebody like Tiafo. I, I would probably pick Tiafo in that matchup if they do end up meeting. Then on to the next quarter, which is Daniil Medvedev's quarter. A little bit easier here, but he does have some interesting names. So Francisco Sarundolo, as I mentioned, could be a third round opponent, I believe that is. We've got Tommy Paul here. Milos Raonic is here. Cam Nori, the hometown quote-unquote boy is here the British number one is in this quarter Seb Kord is here Jerry Vesely is here Ben Shelton who after having a rocket you know Australian Open has not really had a great few months but also has had some unlucky draws so with his big serve I'd hope he'd be able to win a few matches then we've got Maximi Cressy who's a really interesting like serve and volley American he's another one that's here and then probably the matchup of the first round by most people's estimates is Dominic Team versus Stefano Tsitsipas which should be really fun to watch but you'd expect Tsitsipas to win that one excuse me I forgot one other person that's here who I actually would also pick as a dark horse and that's Andy Murray Andy Murray and Tsitsipas could meet in the second round which brutal draw for Stefano Tsitsipas number one and number two, do not be surprised if Murray uh, might be able to pull that one off just because he'll have the full crowd behind him. And we've seen uh, Sitsipas get rattled on a center court when the crowd starts being a part of the match, um, as we saw with Kyrgios last year in that, I think that was the round of 16 match. So we'll see. But Medvedev with his serve, you'd think he'd do well here and he's got a pretty flat game, but has not had like really a ton of success at Wimbledon. Again, I think his movement just kind of isn't quite as effective here. I think that this is probably going to be the most open of the quarters that we're going to talk about. Just because it's the safest option, I am going to say that Medvedev probably gets through. Sitsipas probably is the second favorite here, Sarundalo being the third favorite. This one's kind of up in the open. Uh, I, there's a couple of names that I would not surprise me if they got through. 
on to the third quarter here. We're on the bottom half now. Uh, we've got Yannick Sinner versus Francisco Sarundolo's little brother, Juan Manuel Sarundolo. Uh, Miramar Kazmanovic is in this corner. Daniel Evans is in this quarter. quarter. Oscar Ate, Mikhail Amir, Borna Koric is here. Uh, Roberto Batista Agut, Denis Shapovalov, Lloyd Harris, who is absolutely going to be somebody to watch. He's got one of the best serves in the game. And to round out this quarter, we've got Casper Ruud, who won today after dropping a cent against Laurent Locoli. I think that this is definitely Yannick Sinner's quarter to lose. Again, this is a case where he has... Oh, and Taylor Fritz is here. Excuse me. But this is really a case where Yannick kind of got the best draw that he could have possibly hoped for. He avoids Djokovic. He avoids Alcaraz in his uh, direct path to the semifinal and instead gets Casper Ruud, who's probably the worst of the big four of the top four seeds, excuse me, out on grass. Casper uh, himself has sort of joked that his prep for grass season is playing golf, <laughs> which obviously I don't think is quite true, but this is definitely not a great surface for Casper Ruud, and I would not be surprised if somebody like Lloyd Harris beats him, to be honest with you. But yeah, I, this is another situation where if you're Darren Cahill, you got to go to Yannick Sinner and say, hey, if you want to be big time, this is your chance to get to a semifinal, and hopefully you get that rematch with Djokovic and it goes your way this time, and hope he gets worn out, because this is... Uh, in terms of quarters, this is as easy as it could have gotten for him. Somebody to watch out here for here is obviously Taylor Fritz, who is really great on all surfaces, great serve, and you know he's just a great player. We love Taylor Fritz here, and and uh, obviously I think Daniel Evans, being the hometown British player, serve and volley style, really his game suits this fast, you know, low uh, bouncing surface. So. He'll be somebody to watch out for. He's, he'll, he, he would be a tricky match uh, no matter who he plays. But particularly against Yannick, I think that would be not a phenomenal matchup. But on to the next quarter here. This is where we have Andre Rublev, Alexander Bublik, who just won actually a tournament uh, two weeks ago. David Goffin uh, got through in his first round match. He's here. J.J. Wolf is here. FAA has already bombed out in the first round to lucky loser Michael Moe. Lorenzo Musetti is here. He won his first round matchup. Who else? We've got Hubi Hercash is here. Echeverri is here. Emil Ruzavori is here. He's got a great serve. And finally, of course, we have Novak Djokovic, who advanced in straight sets this morning. Uh, the overwhelming favorite here has got to be Novak Djokovic. But if we're sort of looking at this holistically of like, how does this quarter rank compared to the others? This is a very loaded quarter for Novak. There's a lot of really difficult matches here. Luckily for Novak, Jordan Thompson kind of got worn out by Nakashima, so he should have a relatively easy second-round matchup there. But he will have to go through most likely Hubi Hercash or Lorenzo Musetti in that fourth round there, and both of those guys will be tough matchups for Novak. Uh, Musetti, as we've seen against Novak, has given him some trouble before as just sort of that like crafty one-handed backhand player. And Hercash, as I mentioned, is just a nightmare to play on this surface. I would not want to play him. And we've seen Novak be vulnerable here. Um, as much as I'm talking up him sort of being the overwhelming favorite, 
he has shown vulnerability here. He's dropped sets before. We saw him almost lose to Yannick Sinner last year. Uh, you know, this is not sort of like a Rafa at Roland Garros situation with Novak. Like, he is vulnerable here. He can lose. Do I think that it's likely? No. But yeah, I mean, this is a tougher draw than I think he would have hoped for. Um, because even after he gets past a Hubi Hercash, he will most likely have somebody like a Bublik or a Rublev waiting for him on the horizon, and both of those guys are not going to be easy outs, especially a Bublik who's been playing really, really well lately and has that weird, crafty game that is successful on this surface. So don't be surprised if uh, Novak encounters some, some trouble on his march through the draw. So... I am going to end the men's side here. I don't want to get too far deep into the predictions just because I think Marcus and I have learned that you really need to take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to that. But hopefully that sort of gives you an idea of who we are thinking about as being some guys to watch out for and matches to sort of take a peek at over these coming days. But if you ever want to know what's the best matchup to watch, you can just DM us on Instagram um, and I'm happy to respond with sort of the matches that I'm going to be watching that day and and thinking about and think could be interesting. So we're going to go on to the women's side now very briefly because uh, unfortunately I just don't think that the women's side is quite as open as the men's side. I think the women's side is very much dominated by tall, big-hitting women at the top of the game. And, uh, you know, so it's pretty clear who I think is going to be the, the people to watch. Uh, I think Rabakina is the favorite to sort of repeat here. Sabalenka is absolutely going to be in the discussion. But the thing that's gone against Rabakina this tournament is that that bottom half is absolutely loaded uh, this year. You've got Rabakina, Jabor, Sabalenka, Pliskova, and Ostapenko all on one side together, where Iga's, whereas Iga Sviantek has really sort of dodged every bullet and and maintained uh you know a relatively clearish path to the final and excuse me i forgot somebody that's also on the bottom half that's petra kvitova who also is going to be a real threat at this tournament so this bottom half is just loaded from top to bottom i think that it's probably going to be rabakana as long as she can stay healthy but boy, oh boy, this is going to be a very difficult bottom half to sort of navigate through, particularly for reigning finalist Anjabor, who I think is going to have a much tougher road this time around, especially if she does end up meeting with Petra Kvitova in that, uh, I believe that's the quarterfinal here. Uh, that's going to be a very difficult matchup for her. But it's the usual suspects, I think, on the women's side, and which is like a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a good thing in the sense that you grow connected to some of these players and there is a benefit to consistency as the women become stars, really. That's that's how it happens. You can't be like the definition of dominance is that every, you make everybody else look boring and these three women have absolutely made everybody else look boring. I think that this sort of interesting part of the women's draw is that Iga Sviantek has really avoided all of the the difficult matchups that she could have hoped for. I mean, the really 
I would say the best players on her side are maybe Alina Svetolina, who got past Venus Williams today after Venus Williams had a little bit of an injury in like the third or fourth game there, but, but she was playing great too. So it's a, a real shame that that happened. She's got Sonia Kennan uh, and Coco Goff on her side who will be facing off in this first round. Uh, last time I checked, Kennan was winning, but uh, I'll, I'll do a mid-round check here. Uh, Jessica Pagula, who barely got past, barely got past in her first round today, if I'm remembering right. That was another very close match with Lauren Davis. Yeah, she won that in three sets. Very close match. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're Iga Swiatek, this is really like the best sort of result possible. And I just confirmed Sonia Kennan did win that match against Coco Goff. So that's another person that Iga doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, I just think that this was really a, a home run for uh, Iga Sviantek. I mean, this is absolutely a shot for her to get through to the Wimbledon final unscathed and give herself a chance to nab this Wimbledon and get three out of the four slams like in her bank, right? We'll see. Iga surprisingly actually does play pretty decently well at uh, at Wimbledon in spite of her more clay court oriented game. Iga's just so good on her feet. She's got great balance, great movement. She's got a pretty decent serve and, and really has an aggressive baselining game. It's not like she's just spinning the ball back for no reason. So yeah, I, I think that the women's draw could be kind of interesting, but it's very defined as to who the favorites are. Whereas I think with the men's side, it's a little bit more open, even for somebody like Novak, who he's he's shown that he is vulnerable. So that is going to do it from me here at Breakpoint Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. As always, be sure to check us out on all your social medias. If you ever want to be on the podcast, as I mentioned, feel free to give us a DM and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.